I don't know. It's one of those days, if it ain't attached, I don't know where it is. So. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome. A few things. Um, if you would, please, in front of you, in those little uh, chair backs, you'll find these things. They're connect cards. Take a moment or two and fill that out. Um, connect cards is how we stay in touch with you. On the back side, it says about praise and prayer. Uh, we do have a, folks who pray for you guys. As a staff, at our staff meeting time, we pray for you guys. So please, take a moment or two and fill this out. And when you're done, just fold it up and drop it into the little boxes by the back door there. Uh, that's where uh, these are collected, and also any tithes or offerings would go back there as well. Uh, youth group is today, so if you're in youth group age, we are going to be going out. Meet me, and uh, where is she? I saw, there she is, she's hiding. Jess, uh, after service, we're going to go bowling. So we're going to go over to the Springville Lanes. We're going bowling today. So if you'd like to participate with that, there's no charge. Just come on out, um, and, and, and we'll be going there. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Team basketball is in full swing. Hey, if you have some time on Saturday, you don't have to volunteer. If you want to volunteer, we'd love to have you. Don't get me wrong. But just poke your nose on in here to see what's going on. We've got like 180 kids signed up to play team basketball. It's a riot. And if you can come from like 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock, you can see the second and third graders playing basketball. It's like herding cats. It's great. It's hysterical. And I'm a ref out on the court, and I spend half the time laughing rather than blowing my whistle. So it's just a riot. Come on out and poke your nose and see that. Um, February 12th, we have senior lunch going on. So we're not, we don't check ages at the door. There's no ID check. Just come on down. Uh, you don't have to register or anything else. We, we serve lunch and have a devotional thought, and it's a time for folks to get together to just share life a little bit. So put that on your calendar, please. That's uh, February the 12th. And, and speaking of calendars, if you want to know what's coming up, we have this little thing here, upcoming events. Um, they're, on, they're underneath the calendar back there. It's in a little folder that this month is what is Lent, because Lent starts February 14th. Gentlemen, this is your subtle reminder. February 14th also happens to be Valentine's Day, just saying. Uh, so February 14th starts Lent this year, and we're going to do, uh, we're going to have the sanctuary open starting about 10 a.m. or so, and uh, there'll be a little video presentation on the screens. Uh, come on in and pray. Talk to God for a couple minutes, um, and we'll have a display up here, and you'll, you'll see what it's about when you come, but uh, we're going to make this a time, Ash Wednesday, a time of reflection, a time of not, not about giving stuff up, but rather about recommitting ourselves to the cause of Christ. So that's going on then. Uh, photo directory is out. You may have gotten an email on it. Now, then some of it, there's been some oopses, and that's okay. If you would note it, what we have is out in the back, in the little cubby hole back there, is the photo directory. Go through it real quick. Take a look. Make sure your information is in there is correct. If it is, just put a little check mark next to your name and stuff, and we know it's all good. If it needs correcting, write it in there. Uh, there was one mistake about my phone number, and I was, I was going to let my wife have all my calls. That would have been real good, but she said no, so that's been changed. Uh, and also, uh, we sent out a, a late email. I don't know if everybody got it, but I'm letting you know, John Horton, who had been a pastor here for 20-some-odd years, his father, Sherm, passed away this past week. Uh, calling hours are Saturday um, at the Northgate Free Methodist Church up in Batavia. You know, we gathered today to, to worship God, and, and, and I want to read you something from Psalm 61. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. 
From the ends of the earth I called you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. I long to dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. For you, God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Father God, today we gather. We gather in your presence to come to praise you, to come to worship you. But Father, we also realize there's lots on our hearts this day. We have folks who are, who are ill, who are, who some who are suffering loss in families. And Father, we ask for your presence to be with them. We ask for your peace to enfold them and for memories to flood their mind. Oh, memories may bring a tear, but those tears are often associated with a joyous time. So we thank you for those joys as well. Father, be with us as we worship. Lift our hearts to you, Father. That's what we're here to do and to hear from you this day. Be with us. Be near us. Amen. Mike? Morning. Stand with us. And we always say, if during the worship set, if you want to sit down, it's it's okay too. So. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see beauty that made this heart adore you. Hope of a life spent with you. So here I am to worship. Here I. You're my God, you're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. King of all days, oh so highly exalted, glorious in heaven above. Full of sin, he came forth. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. All together, love, all together, worthy, 
This house starts to be being built, brand new house. I kind of watched it from the foundation and it took a while, but it built, got built. And uh, it seemed like at one point the, the owners were moving in, the cars were there, boxes and everything. And I thought, that's really cool. It's a nice house. That was, that was cool. It's fun to watch that. And a few days later, I came back through and I had to take a double tape because the house was burned down. And I was like, oh wow, <laughs> that's terrible. 
But so I drove by that for a couple of weeks, kind of watching. It was during the winter, the snow was all getting in the house, and then the house is just falling down. And, and finally, they tore it down. It was just down to the foundation. And, and I sat there. The one day I drove up to it, it was right by a stop sign, so I could kind of stop and look at it. I looked at it, and I stopped, and I was looking at it. And it's just one of those times when you kind of hear God speak, you know? And I heard the word restoration. He said, I'm the God that restores. And I just looked over, and I went, okay, we'll <laughs> see what happens here. And sure enough, several months later, it started to get rebuilt. Uh, it came in, new, new house, and, and now here we are about three years later, and it's, it's a brand new house, and the owners are moving in. And I just thought of that again as we've been going through this series this, these last few weeks about the walls of Jerusalem and, and God being the God of restoration. And, and one of the things that really struck me about that was restoration doesn't happen overnight. You know, it takes time. And thinking about how many years I watched that house get built, <laughs> tore down, and rebuilt and to where it's supposed to be. And I think about that in our lives. You know, some, maybe you're in a place of restoration right now or you're in the middle of house being torn down, so to speak. But know that God is a God that restores, and he, and he will continue to work and to have you where you need to be. So I just want to encourage that. I don't know if you need to hear that. <laughs> it's, God is a good God. You are good. You are good. When there's nothing good in me, you are love. You are love display for all to see you are light you are light when the darkness closes in you are hope you are hope you have covered all my sin you are peace you are peace when my fear is crippling you are true you are true even in my wandering you are joy you are joy you are life, you are life, and you death has lost its sleep. And oh, I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms. The riches of your love will always be enough. Nothing compares to your
your arms, I'm running to your arms. The riches of your love will always be enough. Nothing compares to your embrace. Light of the world forever. Never forget the moment I met you, moment you called my name and pulled me out of the darkness, gave me a promise to never thirst again, and all that I ever wanted, my heart has found in you. Nothing satisfies like you do. The fount that won't run dry. Nothing satisfies like you do. And now, all that you offer, your living water, drink from the and I will sit at your table forever grateful forever where you dwell and all that I ever wanted my heart has found in you and I tasted life but nothing satisfies morning's reading is taken from Nehemiah, chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. 
When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Tobiah and the Ammonite, excuse me, Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what they are building, if even a fox climbed on it, he would break down their wall of stones. Hear us, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. If you would please pray with me. God, we pray for strength as we each face the challenges that life brings us. We ask you to bless Anne and her family at this very difficult time. We ask you to heal the sick, bring your comfort to those in emotional need. For each one of us, help us to feel your presence and be encouraged through your strength. God, may we always strive to align with your will. May we pray boldly within that will and witness accomplishments because we are following you. As a church family, may the efforts we undertake bring people over to you and your kingdom. Help us to show your love in the world around us. Help us to keep an open mind to your teaching and allow Pastor Mark to speak your truth to us. Please help us to put into practice what you have to tell us, and may we feel a sense of purpose and be invigorated when we do the things you show us to do. May each of us find the ways to put aside temptation and remove or avoid the devil's snares. May we each reach out to you and rely on your strength and your guidance as we try to stay true to your plan for us. The world has always been full of pitfalls, and you have always been the beacon and the light for us to focus on. Help us to not become discouraged and to always refocus on you in the example of Christ. Amen. We're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 4 for most of the day today. I tell you that just so that when different uh, verses pop up there, you'll know where they're from. You don't have to follow along. You can if you want. I'm not going <laughs> to, don't open your Bible. No, no, it's okay. Uh, please do, in fact. Um, and if you want, there's some in the pews in front of you. You're more than welcome to take them and use them. And if you need one, take it with you. Our compliments. Years ago, um, I got called back to the barracks. I was a trooper. I was uh, new down in the Falconer area, uh, and I got called back to the station. It was close to the end of shift, and the sergeant said, hey, Mark, you, you want some overtime? 
So, uh, sure, yeah, what do you need me to do? Uh, could you do, meet up with another car from another troop, E troop, and take this prisoner they got and just run him up to Mayville uh, to jail? We got a warrant for him. Sure, I can do that. So I go, I go and I pick him up and, and get, go and get the guy and sit him in the front seat. Now, at that time, in the police cars, we didn't have those shields behind the, the seat. So if you had a prisoner, they sat up front next to you. It doesn't matter if they had a disabled vehicle or if you're arresting them. They sat next to you. And I had done that before. It wasn't really a nervous thing, you know, not a big deal. What I had not done before was had somebody under arrest who had mental health issues. It seems this guy, when I pick him up, you know, they, he's handcuffed. They handcuff him, have to recuff him using mine because all handcuffs are numbered. They had to take theirs back. And, and, and when I'm doing that, I notice he has a little blood on his forehead. Eh, don't think much of it. I cuff him and I get him in the car and we're driving along. And, and he tells me, you know what that's, that is? Well, he can't point because he's like this. But you know what's on my head? What? Oh, I tattooed myself while I was in jail. Oh, what'd you do? Oh, what is it? 666. You see, I'm Satan. Great. He then asks, what would happen if I, you know, I studied martial arts, I could turn and I could spin my foot up and kick you in the head. What happened then? Well, we're doing about 70 on State Route 17. We'd probably got to control, flip over and die. I get to meet God, you don't. So from there on, the trip got pretty quiet. He was supposed to be easy OT, and it turns out to be more than I expected. You ever have that? Some easy job, something that's supposed to be really simple. I got this. And then all of a sudden, it gets a lot more involved, a lot harder than it needs to be. And in some cases, almost seemingly impossible. A few years ago, Shelly and I were living in a parsonage. Now, it was kind of dated, and so I was doing some upgrades, right? Uh, I'm putting in some new electrical switches, some switches where there weren't any switches that needed to be done. And, oh, look, there's this old, ugly light in the middle of the living room. I'll just drop that, and I'll put up a new light. Really cool, really easy, right? I've changed lights before, not a big deal. I take it apart and bring it down. The wire was so old. Mike, you know the wire that was wrapped in cloth? This was it. I touch it, and it starts dissolving in my finger. It's going to bare wire. So here, just changing a light turns into rewiring an entire living room. It shouldn't have been that way, but that's the way it was. It seems that those, oh, don't worry, it'll be easy jobs, have a way of turning into more complex things. The simple assignment turns out to be, well, a little dangerous. No, when Nehemiah was leading the rebuilding process of that wall, don't get me wrong, it was a big task. It was a monumental task, for sure. But it wasn't an overly dangerous one when you stop to think about it. You're building a wall. But then complications ensued. In the first couple of chapters of Nehemiah, we looked at how Nehemiah prayed and how God's hand was, was upon him. How's God's hand had opened the king Artaxerxes' heart towards the plight in Jerusalem? How Nehemiah had spoken to the king and received letters from the king of, go ahead, you can have building materials from my forest. Go ahead, you can have safe passage and safe conduct. Go ahead, you can do all that. Now, and how Nehemiah, upon arriving at the city, had inspired the people, not with a building plan. He didn't draw out the blueprints. What he did was inspire them with that passion that was on his heart 
and they caught it, and the walls are going up. And it looks like things have been going pretty good there. But then trouble comes upon them and upon those who are building the wall. The passage that was read for us, thank you for doing that, uh, Nehemiah 4, 1 through 6, tells how a couple of guys, Sanballat and Tobiah, started to get aggravated, aggravated by all this wall building that was going on. But in Jerusalem, Nehemiah and his crew kept on working. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. Now, these walls weren't just like around your property. This wall was about two and a half miles long, if you measure it and go around the city. Two and a half miles long, eight feet thick, and when completed, 40 feet tall. So at this time, they're 15, 20 feet tall. Some of the, po I'm sorry, the gates are, are up and all that's ready to go. Then they're halfway there and trouble starts. But when Sanballat and Tobiah, the Arab, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashad heard that the repairs of the Jerusalem wall had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. What's going on here? Didn't Nehemiah get this plan from God? I mean, when we're assigned to task or given instruction from God, doesn't that mean all opposition just poof, disappears? It just goes away. It melts away like that wire in my hand. Aren't all the circumstances supposed to break our way when we're doing God's will? Isn't it supposed to be smooth sailing? The short answer is no. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Trouble. And then Paul writes in Ephesians 6, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Friends, when we're doing what God calls us to do, whether that be a task, whether that be a way of changing our thinking, whether that be of being something, whatever it is, whether it be something spiritual or physical or, or an endeavor, there will be opposition to what we do. Just try doing a little something different at work or at home, right? What are you doing it like that for? But we always did it this way. That's not right. Or maybe, you know, you need to change something in your own life, and you see that you need to change it, so you're going to stop coffee. You're going you're to cut back on soda, social media, snacks, whatever it is. When you decide you're going to do that, what happens when you try it? The opposition comes from within yourself. We can't even stand up to ourselves when we're trying to make those positive changes. How much more so when we do something that God has called us to do? You know, let's look at what Nehemiah did when all this confrontation happened to him. And, and, and maybe there's something or a few things we can learn from that to enact as well. Opposition hits, and he says, Nehemiah writes, but we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. They prayed all the more. They prayed all the more. I know they prayed at the beginning. Nehemiah, if you read Nehemiah, he prays for uh, almost 90 or 100 and some odd days before he goes off to meet the king. He prays in the presence of the king. He prays when he goes. He's been praying all this time. And what's the first thing he does? Pray some more. 
He prays some more. When facing opposition or a problem, many times it's not just a one and done thing. Well, I prayed once. Why do I got to keep on going back to that? Or I prayed once. Why isn't it stopping? We may need to stand up more than one time. It's the same when we face spiritual opposition. We may need to stand up several times in its face. James writes, I have had, uh, submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, I've had in my life times when I know there was definitely spiritual battle going on. And I had to stand up more than once to the oppression before I was left alone. We need to stand, but not by our strength of will, but by submitting to God in prayer and humbleness of heart. We can stand firm with God despite the enemy, and he will flee. Notice also in Nehemiah, he posted a 24-hour guard to watch, to warn, to protect the builders. We need to post guards around our lives, around our hearts. Peter says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffrage. I think that guard that we're to post is both to be ourselves, you know, keeping aware, keeping a watch, but I also think it should be a few others. People you're close with, people you trust, a spouse, an accountability partner, a close friend, people you can count on, people who have your best interest at heart, who when they see something will keep an eye open for you, but who will also give you a heads up. Hey, Mark, you're being an idiot. Stop that, right? Someone who feels comfortable speaking into your life to say, dude, Someone who will speak to help protect you. Someone close. Also, Nehemiah continues, also our enemy said, before they know it or see us, we'll be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to this work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their sword, spears, and bows. Nehemiah was keenly aware the most vulnerable place to attack is not at a strong point, not where the wall's the highest, not where there's a tower, but where the wall was lowest. Not the high parts, the low parts, the low spots that we need protecting and defending the most. Where are the weak places in your wall? We got to be aware of the places where we are individually and corporately vulnerable to attack from the enemy. Strengthen those places in our lives that are exposed. Strengthen them. Guards, yourself and others. Build up resistance to the attacks and temptations. It may mean steering clear of things that are temptations to us. That may mean not going to a certain event or a certain place. Staying clear of certain sites on the internet. It may mean not watching a certain show or hanging out with specific people. But 
Stay away from temptation. Martin Luther noted, you can't stop a bird from landing on your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. Put guards at the weak spots in your wall that not only guard you, but those you love as well. For you see, when we fall, it impacts our families. He continues, After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles and officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fights for your families, your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. As we stand against the enemy, we do not do it in our own power. We can't do it in our own power. But we are to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. We are to fight. We are to stand, but not alone. Not rely on our own cleverness, on our own strength, for God has equipment for us. That's why Paul writes and tells us about the armor God provides us with. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of, he- spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Back to Nehemiah. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. Nehemiah was very concerned that since the people were so spread out all around the city, this wall is two and a half miles longish or so, and they're working there, some in shifts, some standing guard, some with a a trowel in their hand, others sleeping so the next shift can begin, right? They're all working, they're all concerned, they're all spread out. They could be vulnerable to attack. Therefore, if anyone sounded a trumpet signifying the attack was happening over here, All the people were together over there and fight. We must learn to fight for one another. When a brother or sister is in trouble and signals, they need help in their spiritual battle, we must rally together and come to their aid. Fighting for them with prayer, fighting for them with encouragement, words of encouragement, don't doubt the strength of that. Words of encouragement and being with them. Just be in there. I have sat with folks who, you know, I don't know if they knew I was there. But being there, I think it enriched the family. The family knew you cared. Others knew. Don't neglect the power of your presence in someone's life. At the signing of the Declaration of Independence, John Hancock made a remark. He said in passing, you know, we all got to hang together. We all got to stick together. Benjamin Franklin, hearing this, replied, yes, we must indeed all hang together, or most assuredly, we will all hang separately. In unity, there is strength. 
In unity, there is protection. In unity, there is support. In unity, there is survival. In unity, there is victory. As we seek to do all things for the glory of God and to be his agents upon this earth, we're going to face opposition. You may as well face it. Even though many times that opposition will manifest itself through circumstances or, or even other people, we have to remind ourselves that the real opposition we face is spiritual. As we encounter spiritual attacks, we are to combat it through prayer. You know, when Nehemiah was praying, his was modeled after the prayers of deliverance in the book of Psalms. In the same manner, Jesus taught his disciples and us to pray for deliverance. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That prayer was to be their rallying cry. Their rallying cry to God, reminding them of where their strength comes from, of where their provision comes from, where their peace comes from, and from, and from who their protection comes from. May it also be ours. In our times of struggle, in our time of need, in our time of facing opposition, start in prayer. Start by going to God, our strength, our firm foundation, our rescue, our Savior. Then gather folks around you who will support you in prayer and encouragement, those guards. Have them be by your side. And can I add right here, you too need to be that person for others. Be that what you want others to be for you. All right, Jesus said it so much more eloquently than me. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Now, sometimes we look at that verse about treating others as simply about treating others well or, or at least fairly, right? And that's true, but it also applies to your fellow believer in spiritual matters. Pray for others as you would have them pray for you. Encourage others as you would have them encourage you. Be by another side as you would want them to be by your side. Our spiritual battle is not supposed to be a me against them. It's supposed to be God and all of us against God's adversary. Don't go it alone. Don't do it on your own strength and power. Let us live our lives in God's strength and with God's direction and with God's power together. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you that we don't have to go this thing alone, this thing we call life. We come to you for strength, for guidance, for wisdom. We come to our friends, those who we trust, guards, if you will, upon the wall of our life, and ask them for their aid as well. It was never supposed to be all alone. So thank you for friends to share with. Thank you for friends and companions who are, well, Scripture says, stick closer than a brother. Thank you for them. Father, I would pray for myself that I could be one of those folks. Thank you for the ones you've put in my life who I have, can make that 2 a.m. call to. Thank you for folks like that. And Father, thank you for Nehemiah. Yes, his work was on a wall, and yes, 
there's something about physical labor, but it, it so correlates with the spiritual battles. So thank you for him, for his example, and that we don't go it alone. His was a, a hard task, building a wall, a difficult task. And yet every step along the way, he prayed. He prayed for your strength and for your guidance. It's not just when we face those spiritual battles that we come to you. We need to come to you with the car part needs replacing, <laughs> the electric needs doing. We need to come to you with each and every bit of our day. You want us to come to you. You grant us aid. You grant us peace. Father, there's many of us who are having difficult times. Things are happening in our lives. So, Father, I pray for them and for me that you would be there, that you would open our eyes to, to what you would have us do. Give us your strength, Lord. Give us your guidance. You stand with us. Come, thou fountain, every blessing to my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never cease. Call for song. Of loudest praise, teach me some melodious song, some by flaming tongues above. Praise the mountain, fixed upon out of thy redeeming love. Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I'm come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy grace, Lord, like a feather, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and see. Feel it for thy courts above. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Feel it for thy courts above. Thank you, guys. As we get ready to leave, this from James chapter 4. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Have a good week.